second live studio coming to you for our SEC recap and Arkansas preview episode. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, Nicholas Carr. Benjamin Woodhouse is on the shelf this week for today's episode. He will be back for the Legal Gambling Council, but we are pleased to welcome in our good buddy and resident Woo Pig Suey expert via proximity, Mr. Bunky Perkins. Gentlemen, welcome in. Hey guys, how are you? It's good to be here, Zach. How are you doing? Well, you know, it's uh, as I was saying before we started, it's a wonderful evening uh, because the Titans just absolutely obliterated the Buffalo Bills 42 16. And as we are recording this, the Atlanta Braves are up 8 3 on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Looking to go up two nothing in the NLCS, uh, you know we joke a lot about how it feels like ninety eight. Well, Braves wise, it feels like ninety five. So this is a uh, feels like ninety five. It's been a good night. Um, so, like I said before, we get into Arkansas preview and trying to figure out just exactly what kind of chaos we are going to get ourselves into this weekend as Ole Miss fans. We are going to take a brief look. At week six, and boy, it was uh, a bit of a doozy. I think uh, it was extremely entertaining. Uh, and I should say week five, not week six. Week six is this week, but, uh, or no, I was right. It was week six. Um, started off a little bit of a snooze fest with South Carolina blowing out Vandy 41-7. I don't think we need to spend much time on that. Um but then it things started to escalate pretty quickly. Tennessee, Georgia, the two thirty game, um, pretty much. I wouldn't say went ex- exactly how I expected it to go the first half, but Tennessee hung around, and uh, by God, Georgia got real pissed off in the second half and ran away with it. So, um, did I mean was this something that we expected to happen? I mean, I thought Georgia would. I picked them to cover. But uh, I did not expect Tennessee to play that well in the first half. Yeah, in hindsight, I mean, I honestly expected worse. I thought Georgia was just going to come out and suffocate them. But kind of in hindsight, what we got out of of Jared Garantano was exactly what you expected out of him. He played two good possessions and threw two pretty good balls, and that was it. I mean, he threw he, that that second touchdown. I think to to maybe tie it up or to, to take the lead like twenty one, maybe it was twenty one thirteen at that point or twenty to thirteen, was a really really good ball, and, and that was that was kind of the full Garantano experience was seeing just how good he could be and just how bad he could be because I mean he's not a great quarterback he's he's up and down but this is kind of what I thought it was going to be Sands that you know bad snap it was a was a touchdown for uh, Tennessee early in the game. I really thought – I mean, I had the under in this game, so I didn't think it was going to be as many points. Um, but, I mean, Tennessee's is not there. I mean, the, the offensively, they're not there. The Georgia defense is still too good. They're just – I mean, they're – I hate to say it, they're not quite back. Bunky, did you get to watch much of that game? I didn't watch much of it. I watched a little bit of it. And, uh, uh, I mean, Tennessee kind of reminds me of, 
I don't know. Some of those Ole Miss games where you're playing somebody that, I mean, I mean, not current iteration, but like uh, back in like the late 90s where you'd play somebody like Tennessee who, you know, was still really good and you'd stay with them for like two and a half quarters. But then like reality would set in. And I kind of feel like that's where Tennessee is right now when they're playing somebody like Georgia or Alabama. Like they'll get hyped for it and play well for like two quarters and then, you know, talent and the discrepancy therein uh, kind of takes over. So I, I think, I mean, Tennessee's getting better, I guess. But, I mean, you saw the, uh, I guess, the difference between getting better and like the best team in the East. Yeah, the, it's it's building towards the humongous matchup that we got this week. Alabama taking on Georgia, number one offense versus number one defense. Uh, I was talking to some guys earlier, a friend of the program, uh, Mr. Cool Nick Muller, and he as a Georgia grad, I was telling him, you know, hey, defenses, and I guess the last, I guess the last twenty one or so games, I can't remember the actual win loss. Nick, you might be able to tell me. Bill C was talking about it, but number one offense versus number one defense per SP plus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Defense holds the edge. I think it's twelve nine um, as of late. So, but I don't know if I'm ready to pick Georgia in that game. What I saw from Mac Jones and Jalen Waddle and uh, Devontae Smith and Najee Harris at Alabama, their defense is not what it normally is, but they can pretty much handle anybody. Um, and talking about who pretty much can handle anybody, I was a little bit shocked on what happened in the next game. Florida, Texas A&M, Texas A&M wins on a last second field goal to upset the Gators. I don't know about y'all, and maybe this is hot takey and kind of contradictory because they just upset the number four team in the country i still don't think texas a&m is that good i think florida got super cute in this game i thought that dan mullen did his normal dan mullen bullshit where he tries not he he plays not to lose instead of to win the game started handing the ball off a lot and i don't get that when you've got kyle trask and you've got Kadarius tony and kyle pitts i figured they would have continued to throw the ball around to try to stretch that lead. A&M wins it late. Isaiah Spiller had a big game, 27 carries, 174 yards, and two touchdowns. Kellamon played pretty dang good um, for a guy that I've called a bust. Um, good game for him, but I was, I was a little surprised at this, and I still don't think Florida's out of it as far as getting to Atlanta, but uh, Jimbo and them got it done. This was a shocker to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Texas A&M schedule. They've played the two of the toughest opponents, probably the two toughest opponents they're going to play, Alabama and Florida. But it's the same team. Texas A&M goes, you know, they, they host Arkansas in two weeks. And if you told me Arkansas beat them, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's just like I don't – I still don't – I didn't come away from that game more impressed with Texas A&M as I, I kind of just saw some flaws, I guess, in Florida, especially in that defense. Uh, it's just not – the typical Florida defense that you expect. Yeah, mom was better, but uh, Texas A&M still doesn't seem to me like they've like, taken the next step. I mean, just seeing what they did against Alabama, I mean, I don't think that they looked any better than we did. I mean, I think I still think that you know Texas A&M is probably they're two and one. I I, I don't think they're any better than seven and three this year, and, and that's with you know, I guess Auburn's all up on the schedule. They take a trip to Tennessee. Um, they host us. They host Arkansas. Uh, seven and three seems like a, a decent 
At this point, it seems like a good year for them. Yeah, I kind of... Uh, if Kellen Mond like, plays how like everybody's been waiting for Kellen Mond to play uh, for the last three years, then... Uh, you know they can win games like that, but, but uh, the, that's kind of the knock on A and M and Kellerman is like he doesn't do that every game. Like that that final touchdown he threw was just an absolute strike, and is kind of what you know Aggie fans have been hoping for out of him. And but he's just not to you all the time. And with Florida, like I'm shocked they lost that game just because after the first two weeks I was like, man, Florida's really good. Like I. I thought they were the best team in the East. Uh, their offense was really good. Defense was good enough. Uh, but then, yeah, they just go down to uh, College Station uh, where I guess 30,000 people in the stands was too much for Dan Mullen to handle. And so um, they uh, it doesn't really matter now because Florida's sick. Like, they're literally sick. So uh, I, I guess uh, uh, A&M was able to catch. Maybe, maybe they were feeling under the weather and just didn't let anybody know. So maybe that's why they lost A&M. Could they have maybe uh, spiked their Gatorade? It's all very possible. I wouldn't put anything past the Aggies. They somehow, as an agriculture school, they figured out how to liquefy COVID, and they have spiked it. I mean, it's, it's fitting for a cult. Um to do that i don't mess with florida's gatorade oh oh boy don't don't get them started on that did, did it feel like watching the game though that that it was never i don't know let's say it was never in doubt obviously it was a one one score game a lot but it, you just i watched the game and i never really had like both eyes focused on it until that very last drive it never seemed like oh yeah texas and fixing to win this you just thought florida will get the ball back they'll score maybe they'll keep trading it was almost almost a little bit like Ole Miss Alabama and that, and that I, you know, we played really well, but I never really thought we were going to win. And, and, and instead, you know, Alabama kept scoring, Florida stopped scoring. It just never, until the very end, I didn't was think it, Texas a was good enough to beat Florida. Was it just me or did, when y'all were watching this, did y'all kind of lose track of time? And because I was watching it and I was thinking the same thing. I was like, all right, Florida may not stop them, but they'll get it back. And, and then I was like, oh shit, there's like under a minute left. Yeah, yeah. There's two two twelve left, and they're marching down the field. Yeah. So, um, bummer for for Dan Mullen. And all jokes aside, I hope that they can recover and 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 figure out a way to. I don't know if they're going to even play this week. I guess they postponed it for now. But hopefully, everybody can recover and they can continue to play football this season. Um, man, talking about recovering. Uh, whew. The Bulldogs down in Sarkville did not do that. <laughs> Um, I watched approximately zero snaps of this game, and I don't think I need to because they scored zero points on offense. KJ Costello threw four picks. Um, Terry Wilson did his thing, and uh, yeah, Kentucky just well, manhandled them. Well, let's be fair to Costello. He only threw four picks. It was Will Rogers who threw the other two picks. Okay. I mean, well, what what happened? More picks than points. Like, yeah, yeah. Rogers equaled him, and Costello doubled him. I thought this that Costello was a Heisman contender, and now well, why is Will Rogers playing? Is, are things that bad? Did they go south that quickly in Starkville? 
I, I think that and I didn't watch that game either because I lost all the score. That's all I really needed to see. But a, a couple of things are in play here. Like we all now after uh, how State has played since week one and how LSU has played since week one that LSU's defense sucks, which is shocking, right? <laughs> Compared to last year, like how? I, like I get that you lost a bunch of people to the NFL and you've got guys that have opted out, but Jesus, how bad! Like how bad is it? Like it's really bad. Like I watched, I watched the Missouri game, uh, LSU Missouri game, and guys were running free. Like you think, you think the Ole Miss defense guys are running free in the secondary, buddy. Go watch LSU. Go watch that Missouri game. Uh, they were wide open. And so you, you see that now, and you're like, okay, well now I kind of get why uh, you know. State did what they did. I mean, not even to that level is kind of shocking, but that the, they put up a bunch of points and a bunch of yards uh, that first week. Uh, I, it is a little surprising to see how quickly. Uh, like, I think maybe it was Ryan Nanny. I forget who said it, but just basically, we have lived the entire Mike Leach experience in three weeks' time. It usually takes like a season or two, but literally, we've gone to from record breaking to uh, head-scratching loss to, oh, oh, okay. So this is what it is. Like, you know, everybody after week one was like, you know, oh, well, the air raid is, is, the, is, is the remedy for all these SEC defenses, and they haven't figured it out. And literally seven days later, uh, we realized that, no, it's just <laughs> LSU's defense is pretty bad, like really bad. Oh. And if you just drop eight, and you know, rush three, uh, and, K- and Costello. I guess in this last game, from what I saw, basically he was out there just yoloing the ball all over the field, like he was trying to fit it into tight spaces and just really letting it fly. And things did not go well uh, against a decent Kentucky defense. I mean, they're, they're good. They're they're not terrible. They're pretty good little defense. I I mean I've been telling people this for like the last 2 years. Jimmy Lake has the blueprint. I mean he is literally quoted as saying, you know, I, I not verbatim but essentially you can just look it up on Twitter. There's a screenshot of the quote, but he basically said that Mike Leach never changes anything and they figured out how to stop it and they stopped him 5 straight years in the Apple Cup. When he was the DC at Washington, he's now the head coach there. Um Clearly, Barry Odom watched a lot of film. I, I mean, I at least think he probably did watch some Washington film. And then, obviously, uh, this week, Kentucky did the same. I mean, now it's coined the phrase, drop eight, beat state. I mean, that's <laughs> essentially what people are doing. And I, I don't know if Leach is just too stubborn to change or if Costello never saw zone coverage in the Pac- Pac-12. I don't know, but it's a mess down there. I mean, not scoring any offensive points in an offense where Costello's throwing the ball 55 times, that is not good. No. Yeah, and the, the other part of it is that like, I've completely lost my train of thought. Like the whole, the fact that they didn't score any points. The thing about the, it's it's not it's not as easy as yeah. It's easy to say okay, drop eight, and that's the first part of it. The second part is you got to be able to tackle. So 
Like, don't expect the Egg Bowl to be like, oh, we're just going to stop. They're terrible on offense, and we're just going to outscore them, and they're not going to score a whole lot. No, like, Ole Miss's defense can't tackle. Like, you can put eight guys back there, but if they can't tackle, that's a problem. You know, with Arkansas, those guys can tackle. They really can. They, I, I know the last couple of years they haven't been very good, but all those young guys that were on Arkansas's defense are now juniors and seniors, and they've at least learned how to tackle. And plus, they have a really good defensive coordinator. And obviously, uh, with Stoops of Kentucky, they're going to be defensive-minded. And so, just the ability to tackle in space and keep everything in front of you is the best way to do it. And if you don't have a defense that can, at the bare minimum, do that, it's not going to be as effective. So, like, don't expect the A-Bowl to just be, oh, you know, we're just going to drop eight. No big deal. It's, it's, got, it's a little mm-hmm. bit more than that. Well, Bunky, I think I figured out what what fucked up your train of thought there. Um, thank God for for Ozzy Albies to home run to hit a home run. Oh my gosh! In the ninth, the fucking little engine that could got every bit of one four twenty six dead center because the fucking Dodgers scored four in the damn ninth and almost gave me a heart attack here watching the game cast. The Braves pulled it out eight seven to go up two games uh good god think i mean if i was watching that man i might have woken up the little man um all right let's power three before we hit the break here um we're gonna talk we'll, we'll talk auburn arkansas on the other side before we preview so let's close it up here with mizzou lsu so bunky you were talking about lsu's defense being so <laughs> bad my lord shades of mississippi state lsu um I cannot remember the score of that game, but I was in Starkville with a good buddy of mine. Um, shout out to our, our, our good pal, Mr. Cody Melly. Uh, I was there with him, uh, a state alum, and we watched State try to punch it in on the one-yard line and could not get it done. LSU held them off. I don't remember. Nick, you might remember because your brain's the size of an elephant's. But um, it was, yeah, State had four tries on the one, couldn't do it. LSU won. LSU did the same thing. Could not get into the end zone. Miles Brennan throws a pick to seal it. Um, Missouri holds on at home, 45-41. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of LSU whining about how the game wasn't in Death Valley. But um, Miles Brennan quietly had himself a decent game, 430 yards, four touchdowns. Terrace Marshall got his 11 catches for 235 and three touchdowns. That's a hell of a box score. And then uh, Mr. Uh, Eighth-Year Senior Larry Roundtree the third, 18 carries, 119 yards. Missouri wins it. LSU sitting 1-2, one 1-2 and two, one and two in the SEC, um, obviously because they're only playing SEC games. Duh, you idiot. Um, but, yeah, it is wild to see LSU at 1-2 and two after winning a national title and everybody pumping them up in the preseason. I wonder who called that, huh? <laughs> Look to it, uh, it, you know how good Mac Jones was against Ole Miss. I think he had four incomplete passes, but uh, Basilak from Missouri was twenty nine of thirty four for four oh six. Not just that, but he spread it around. He had he had uh, six guys with more than forty yards uh, receiving. Like you said, Roundtree, you know had a, had a good day too. I mean that is that's bad. And Bunk, you mentioned it. I don't. I mean, I think people thought the LSU defense. I mean, I know at least on the Ole Miss side, a lot of fans thought that. LSU is going to be down this year. I don't know that anyone expected this, but in hindsight, it's like, yeah, of course. I mean, they lost the good coordinator on offense, good coordinator on defense, and they have an idiot for a head coach. Uh, of course, this is what was going to happen. 
and it's not just the defense so startling and the defense is really really bad like they're they are if you follow uh old t bob a bear on uh twitter he kind of went in and broke down the defensive effort uh against missouri and he basically said that's the worst defensive tape i've ever watched um they, they also can't run the ball which is crazy. Like an LSU team that can't run the ball. I don't know the last time that was the case, but they really can't. And so they're relying on Miles Brennan to bring him home. And like he's fine. Like he's not, he's obviously not Joe Burrow, but he's serviceable, right? He's okay. He's got good receivers. He really does. They've got this freshman tight end that he is going to be a monster. Uh, he's, I mean, he, on the first drive against Missouri, caught like four balls plus the touchdown. Like, he, he is going to be a monster. And they, they've got some good wide receivers uh, when Brennan, Brennan can get him the ball on time. Uh, but they really just can't run the ball, and they can't stop anybody. And so um, they've got some serious problems. Uh, I wish we were playing them this week, honestly. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Just, yes. Yeah, uh, that would be nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they are not – they're not great. So – but I'm sure – but, you know, the thing about it, like if I'm an LSU fan, this th- look, this year doesn't count as far as I'm concerned anyway. And especially if I'm an LSU fan, like, uh, whatever, man. We'll figure it out next year. Well, I know that that's the case because I think that – well, I mean, especially for first-year people like Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin – Eli Drinkwitz, Sam Pittman, but for somebody like Ed Ortron, is he? And now we're only in into the season three games. We got to see how the rest of the season goes. Is he flirting with getting Gene Chizik? I don't think so. But it, it, here's here's my reasoning: is number one, he's from Louisiana. I know Chizik was quote unquote an Auburn guy, but like Ortron's a little bit different. Number two, Orgeron that first year, or at least last year, uh, realized that the best way to be successful is to turn it over to talented people and let them do their thing. And he he had that, and he didn't replace like his coordinators with the same level of talent. Uh, and that's you know what that's that's not just a problem he's had at LSU. That was a problem Wes Miles had at LSU too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he when he lost that first group, like Jimbo and Bo Pelini, uh, you know, and um, must. Um, he's now with the Cowboys. Oh gosh, Dooley, Dooley oh, was there. Uh, like they had a really deep group of assistant coaches, and then when they all left and took head jobs, then uh, Miles didn't replace them with good enough assistants. That's kind of what Orgeron has run into. I would expect that after this season, you would see if you want. I mean, he may get rid of Bo Pelini before the season's over, but the thing about that is, even a program like LSU is not like just swimming in cash right now because of what's going on. And so like if you're gonna make that move, you've got to have somebody come in and basically write a check for it. Mm-hmm. And I take solace in the fact that that like last year was an absolutely perfect storm of a quarterback who grew a ton, 
and, you know, transferred in and had, you know, I guess, well, I don't know if he had two years there, but had one really good year. Not only that, but also an offensive coordinator who was in the perfect spot and a defensive coordinator. I mean, those are not going to line up very often that you're going to have. I mean, look at where those guys are now. The guy that went number one overall in the draft and was a Heisman winner. Uh, the offensive coordinator for the Panthers and then the head coach of Baylor now. I mean, like, think that's like watching a team. You look back on like the 01 Miami Hurricanes and you're like, oh, look at, you know, they had four Hall of Famers or whatever. And it's like, look at, look back at that LSU team and, and how perfectly everything had to line up. And I just, again, maybe it's just how I, I, I sleep at night, but I just tell myself, that's never going to happen again for them. And they're going to go, you know, three and seven this year and four and eight next year and whatever I have to worry about it again. At least, at least that's what I tell myself. Oh, ha- oh, happy day if that were to happen. Oh, man. <laughs> I would love to see that burn. Um, all right. So we're going to hear a quick word from the sponsors. When we come back, we'll have more with Mr. Carr and Mr. Perkins. Uh, we're going to preview Ole Miss Arkansas and talk about uh, Team Chaos versus CSR. Be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments part of the Kelly English restaurant group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Iris in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. 
And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. Has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their healing station, High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that healing station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend. And then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And as always, OD encourages you to share sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion. All right, fellas, let's jump into it. A couple things that jump out to me that are just <laughs> completely insane and indicative of how bad Ole Miss's defense is. So looking at some numbers here, Ole Miss is uh, averaging 41.7 points a game. Arkansas is averaging 19.7 points per game. And the pick center via ESPN.com is predicting this game 38-35 Ole Miss. Uh, so Arkansas, a team that is just under 20 points a game, they think that Ole Miss is going to give up at least 35. Um, the spread is three. I tend to think that that game is or this game, I should say, is going to probably be similar to what they're predicting. Maybe another touchdown, maybe a 45-35 win for Ole Miss. I'm not quite sure where I'm falling on it. We'll give our our picks on our Legal Gambling Council episode. But, Bunky, I I know that we we call you our our pig suey expert by proximity. Um, But what do you – what exactly are you feeling about this game and not just, oh, Ole Miss's defense is really bad. It's going to be close. But, I mean, just what's the vibe that you get after not beating Alabama but putting on a show offensively but still showing weakness defensively? Yeah. So it worries me just because Arkansas is competent, which is which is, is more than a, you've been able to say for them for the last, I don't know, three, four years, maybe um, ten years if you want to get real technical. Um, they are competent, and it's not because of their head coach. They have some really good coordinators. They've got Barry Odom. Uh, they've got uh, Kendall Browles. Uh, and so both offensively and defensively, they've upgraded from a coaching standpoint. Uh, they've also upgraded a quarterback. They've got Felipe Franks, who, of course, used to play at Florida until he was replaced. Uh, but even a replacement from Florida is better than what Arkansas had. Uh, and so he's played pretty well. Like he didn't play great 
in that Georgia game at the beginning of the year. He kind of threw some picks. It, it, that was just kind of an ugly football game for about a half, and then Georgia just kind of took over. But the last two weeks, he hadn't thrown a pick. He's done like six touchdowns. Uh, he's kind of a gamer. I mean, they, they don't have much in the way of – like, so you've got Arkansas's, Arkansas's offensive coordinator is Kendall Browse, and, of course, Levy slash Kiffin is ours. Uh, and Levy and Kendall Brawls are obviously um, – brother-in-law like uh levy is is kennel Brawls' brother-in-law and so they're off the, the offenses of the two teams on paper are kind of kissing cousins like they they same concepts right but the difference is is Ole Miss has talent on offense Arkansas really doesn't uh Felipe Franks is okay uh Rakeem Boyd is their best running back and he didn't play last week and he might play this week he was a a walking boot last week. I think he'll play. Um, they've got some young wide receivers, uh, but then they, uh, they've got two guys that they throw to most of all. Um, and then, but they don't throw a lot down the field. Uh, Felipe Franks for as big as he is, he's like six, six. He's not a deep ball guy. Like they throw a lot to the backs out of the backfield. Um, a lot of ball, ball control. Um, it's not really the same high flying offense because of personnel. Uh, that Ole Miss is going to roll out there. So, yeah, our defense stinks, uh, but Arkansas's offense is pretty average. I think they'll be above average against Ole Miss's defense, obviously. But uh, I think the difference between the difference in the game, I think, I hope, will be the fact that Ole Miss's offense is really good and will execute and just out. I mean, the only way Ole Miss is going to win any games this year. It's just outscoring people. It's kind of like uh, if you're not, if you're a Saints fan, like the bad Drew Brees teams, where they be like 500, and basically all those teams were were Drew Brees had to score every time he touched the ball, and the only chance they had to win is if uh, they the defense got a turnover or just something crazy happened because the Saints defense wasn't going to stop anybody, and so that's kind of how old this is this year. They're only going to win games where something fluky happens and they get a turnover, which all, which happened in the Alabama game, and you know, uh, still wasn't enough. Uh, and Ole Miss has to score pretty much every time they touch the ball. Yeah, Arkansas is way more competent than I'd hoped they'd be. I mean, in the preseason, everyone was like, "Yeah, well, we got two wins, Arkansas, Vanderbilt," and now it's like. I mean, Arkansas didn't have to, you know, they didn't have to get this decent this quick, I guess. I mean, Pittman's done a good job. I mean, get them to believe. And, I mean, maybe they had more talent than, I don't know if it's an indictment on, you know, Chad Morris, but maybe they had more talent than than they put on. But it's a team that plays well and or they play hard. And, I mean, they've kind of been snake-bitten that they played well in that Georgia game. You know, they won that second game, and then they probably – Maybe should have won last week. I mean, I, they're playing with a ton of confidence too. Yeah, like they don't have their their talent is still severely lacking from from as as far as SEC goes. But the guys that they do have have been in the system for a while, or at least been in the program for a while, uh, and despite poor coaching, have kind of uh, matured a little bit. Got like one of one of the great SEC football names this year, of course, is Bumper Pool, who is a linebacker <laughs> at Arkansas. Uh, and he had like 20 tackles against State. So, you know, like I said, 
uh, if you're going to beat State, you drop eight, and you've got to be able to tackle. Well, Arkansas tackled, and Bumper Pool was one of the main guys. And uh, he'll be kind of all over the place uh, against Ole Miss. They'll probably put him – they might put him down in the box. That you know They might have him covering uh, Yaboa some. Uh, but they're like you said, they are confident. They have good coaching. They don't have a whole lot of talent still. They've made some upgrades. Quarterback's an upgrade. Uh, running back if Boyd plays is okay. If they if he doesn't play, they're in trouble. Uh, but they're they're much more disciplined than they were under Morris, obviously. Uh, and if the first three weeks are in the indication, like if you're an Arkansas fan, you remember when Ole Miss was really bad coming off of the Houston Nut, you know, debacle, and that first year under Freeze, all you really wanted to see was effort, right? And effort ended up being enough to win enough games to make it to a bowl. And Arkansas is right there. They're showing good effort, and they're showing that they care. Because, buddy, under Chad Morris toward the end, they didn't give a shit. Like, I I was at that uh, uh, Arkansas-North Texas game, and it was wild because North Texas, they had a really good quarterback. Uh, it was Mason Fine. Uh, he's kind of an undersized guy, but he was really good. And um, for about a quarter and a half, North Texas was doing a bunch of fluky trick play stuff because they thought they had to. And then they just realized, hey, we're actually just better than Arkansas. And they just started running it down their throats for three quarters. And at that point, you're like, buddy, it can't get any worse. Uh, but the fact that they've been able to turn around and they look – competent and like that they care uh they've got more than a puncher's chance against Ole Miss especially at home I I tend to be in that same school of thought that you're in Bunky with what you were saying about the offense being just decent and sure they're going against an Ole Miss defense that is very 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 bad but I think if you're Ole Miss you kind of embrace the team chaos at this point and you really try to force teams to get into a track meet with you because I mean, we talked about it on our Sunday show, Nick. I don't think, I mean, you're not facing Kyle Trask or Mac Jones the rest of the season, two of the most efficient guys next to Matt Corral in the SEC and in the country. Um, now, Kendall Browse is a brilliant offensive mind, and I think that he'll have a good game plan ready, but – Felipe Franks is not Cal Trask or Mac Jones, and I think that if it does get to where Ole Miss's offense is churning and clicking on all cylinders like we've seen through the first three weeks, Arkansas cannot keep pace. Like Bunky said, they're not throwing the ball downfield. They're not stretching the field. They don't vertically. have the weapons. Right, and, and, and Burks and Knox are two really good receivers, but they're still young, and the offense is not really catering to them stretching the field vertically. And last I checked, I don't think there's another Henry brother there who can terrorize Ole Miss across the middle. Um, and like you said, Rakeem Boyd is, is still kind of up in the air. He was in a walking boot last week, like you said. And I think if he was full go, I would be a little more hesitant because they'd at least have something on the ground to kind of even things out and kind of keep Ole Miss honest. Um, look, I think they need to do it. Yeah, I hate, I hate I hate to tell you this. There's another Henry brother there. Is there? There's God two of them. There's one of his <laughs> defense, and then there's what are they? Are they cloning them? Hudson Henry. They they have more brothers than the Plumleys. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> the, He's only got four catches in three games. I was going to say, mean, the fact not, remains that I had to ask yeah. the question, so he hasn't been much of a factor, but... Um, Yet. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I just jinxed it. But, um, but yeah, I think you embrace the shootout. I think that's what you do. Because, look, you're if you're Ole Miss, you're not really going to fix this defense this season. You're going to fix it with recruiting... You're going to fix it with building depth through the transfer portal. I mean, it's like bunky. It's like when you're playing golf and like people always say, you don't really want to try to fix a swing or do anything crazy in the middle of a round. I don't think you can fix this defense this season. So I think it, you just have to embrace the chaos, be opportunistic on defense, try to get interceptions, try to strip balls. Um, but I just think you just let Matt Corral and Kenny Aboa and the rest of the folks do their thing. And, I just think you leave it at that. I that's I keep telling people they're like, well, Felipe Franks is not that good, but Ole Miss will make him look great this weekend. Okay, fine, just score more points and get out of there. That's kind of all you can do I, at this point. I, so I've got a I've got a hypothetical question for you. Okay, and I, I don't really know the answer. Uh oh. Did Hogville hijack our call? Certainly when they hi- Can you hear me? Okay, you're back now. Okay. All right. So uh, I've got kind of hypotheticals for you. Uh, so almost kind of clearly the defense is not good. And uh, we kind of took a hit uh, when we hired DJ Durkin, right? Um, just PR wise. And. We we fired a guy who was had shown improvement uh, and an ability to coach defense. Um, and, and like Ole Miss defense wasn't good last year, but they weren't terrible. Like they were improved. Do you think the defense would be any better if Mike McIntyre was that was the defensive coordinator right now? I honestly don't think so. Yeah, I, I've kind of gone back and forth, and I think it's. Like the talent just is, re- I mean, even from last year, the talent has dropped off, especially on the defensive line. Uh, we just can't move. We can't move anybody. Uh, and we can't tackle. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, 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 you almost give Durkin a pass, even with everything that we had to kind of swallow uh, when we hired him. But, yeah, I was kind of thinking about that the other day. I was like, would it even be any better with McIntyre? Maybe not. Well, I don't know. And we talked about that. I, I do think. Well, I was going to say, Nick, real quick. We talked about it on our Sunday show because Nick and Ben were both, I wouldn't say full nuclear yet on Durkin, but they were questioning. <laughs> uh, I looked at the numbers, and I mean, the defense last year, they showed improvement, and the SP plus numbers were much better, but they were still giving up a ton of yards. So, and I still, and I think last year's defense had more talent, um, especially up front. I mean, you didn't have any type of game breakers, but they still were, I think, more experienced and more talented up front. And you lose Charles Wiley, who transferred out, who was a experienced SEC player, and I think he would definitely help out the front this year. Um, so you've got, you know, you've got Tavius Robinson, who transferred in from Canada. I think he's going to be a good player. He's just got to get used to the pace of play, and then. Um, you're counting on a lot of dudes that have redshirted and really haven't played meaningful snaps. Um, 
I think Mike McIntyre did a fantastic job last year, but he was kind of piecemealing as best he could, and, and they still gave up a ton of yards. I mean, we looked at it, Nick. I think they, they gave up 300 through the air against southeastern Louisiana. I mean, not great. So I, I still think, like I said, just embrace the chaos. Just win a shootout. Get a road SEC win and get back and regroup and get ready for Auburn because that is – if you can beat Arkansas – then it is absolute house money, 100% free shot to beat an Auburn team that still looks like they're just limping right now. Yeah, and you, and then you have Vanderbilt. So before before the bye comes up, so I mean, if you if you beat Arkansas, you're what two and two. It's just I'm I don't care. You're, I'm putting I've, I've seen this Vanderbilt team against South Carolina. I watched them somehow make LSU look like world beaters again. I mean that's that's a win, and if it's not, you know, we're, we're you know in, in bigger trouble, I guess, than I thought on the defensive side. So that's, that's that's three wins right there. And like you said, I mean, if you had a chance to beat Auburn and be four and two going into the bye, into the bye week, it would have exceeded any expectation you could have had preseason. So that and that Auburn team is, I don't know, maybe we'll find out that they've got a, a two hundred fifty yard rusher on the ground against us. <laughs> but that Auburn team is very very beatable because I don't. You kind of talked about Arkansas didn't have the horses to keep up with Ole Miss. I don't know that Auburn does. Well, and I mean, hell, we could say that Arkansas's probably got a legitimate gripe to be two and one right now because Bo Nix essentially fumbled on spiking the ball, and I thought that the officials missed that a hundred percent. And Arkansas legitimately had a gripe there at the end. Um, so who who can say? I mean, if Arkansas is two and one, I mean, this is a totally different vibe going into this week. But I don't, with all that, I, I the, the over under seventy six. That's the question. Are they going to hit the the total? <laughs> that's a lot of points. It really is. I, I'm. Uh, I don't know if I want to touch that. But Bunky, the the wins pre- predicted in favorable this weekend. Are, and I'm going to assume that they're going to come out. I think Reynolds Razorback Stadium is situated north-south, and I'm pretty confident they're going to probably be coming out of the west. So it should be some crosswinds. They're looking at 15 to 25 mile an hour sustained and up to 40 mile an hour gusts. Is that you think that's going to have any effect? Well, the stadium's kind of in the hole a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it is. Um, and so maybe it's a little bit impervious. I mean, I've been in there when it's nasty. Um, you know, we thought it was going to be nasty in Oxford last week and, and we were able to, you know, throw it all over the place. Um, I, I don't think it's that big of a factor outside of the kicking game. The other part is they, um, you know, one of the ends used to be kind of open, uh, and they've since closed it. Uh, so it's a full bowl now. And so you, you maybe not have the squarely crossed winds, but I mean, a kicking game, we're not kicking anyway. I mean, it's it's a it's a 50-50 proposition at best when we, when we line up to kick. So, well, uh, and two, I mean, it, it's no, no offense to, to the to the kicker so much as is based on our defense when we're getting three and not seven. Like last week when we kicked a field goal against Alabama, I looked and said, I mean, this ball game because yeah, it's over. we're not getting a stop. So if, if we're getting, you know, I don't care if he makes – 55 yarders when you're getting three and not seven with our defense 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you bet you better be kicking for the win because, like, you know, at the end of the game, otherwise you're in, you're in some trouble. I'm almost prepared to go full Pulaski Academy and <laughs> yeah. oh, please. go no 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 punts and all onside kicks. Why not? I, I mean, what do you got to lose this year? See, you don't it, have to win. You don't have to win six games uh, in order to uh, be qualified for a bowl. I'm not even sure that we're going to make it that far. Given, I mean, I I think the last time I was on uh, Zach, we you asked me how I thought we'd do, and I was like, well, if we make it past week three, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. And here we are, here we are, week three, uh, and Florida is not going to be able to play. This that's the first rule, uh, and Vandy's already had last week had like 20 people out. So the the thing that's kind of keeping it from not completely falling apart that I didn't know they were going to do, but I guess it makes sense. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I guess if you have COVID and you get over it, they don't test you for three months. And so if you had it in August, which I think a lot of our team did, then literally they're not going to test them again until November. Hmm. And so we might have positive guys that were positive on the team that aren't showing symptoms. I mean, you know, there's no telling. And if they're, they're doing that across the SEC, and so unless you've got an outbreak like Florida's got, if you had, if you got all yours out of the way uh, already, then you're going to be able to make it till at least November. Now, when November comes, who the hell knows? Yeah, it's yeah. I I don't know. It's hard to criticize, you know, teams that are getting hit with it because you know. It's an airborne respiratory virus that is, you know, you can't predict what it's doing. So I, I don't think it's like you can criticize someone or criticize a program where it's like, oh, well, what are you doing wrong? Why are you getting slammed? Because, you know, Ole Miss, you know, knock on wood, has been extremely um, lucky through all this. That They have had very minimal to little cases uh, or, I guess, positive tests, I should say. Um, and that's the thing that's so crazy about this season is it's not like, okay, there was a brief moment of, oh, God, when Matt Corral looked like he might have rolled his ankle in that Alabama game. But, I mean, something could happen where it's it's almost like the, the, the dreaded non-contact ACL tear in a practice where somebody, you know, if Matt Corral gets COVID, like Ole Miss is done. The <laughs> offense is completely screwed. Yeah, but that goes for real. I mean, that's literally any team, right? right. It's not. It's like you know, it, even in the NFL, like you know, the Patriots, Cam Newton gets COVID. Well, the guy who they're going to roll out to throw the ball. I mean, you know, it's a total crapshoot. The great thing about, like, I think the the good thing about this last week's game against Alabama, what it showed is that we're a fun team and we've got good coaching. And if you have talent, you will get featured at Ole Miss. That may not do anything for us this year. And frankly, who cares? Because this this whole year is a wash for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it does wonders for us in recruiting next year and the year after that. And that's all. That's what you got to hang your hat on if you're an Ole Miss fan for sure. And God, I mean, I don't know if if you're any program that's not. Alabama, Ohio State, uh, I mean, not Oklahoma this year, but, you know, somebody like that. So 
I don't know. I kind of almost kind of feel like Ole Miss is playing it with house money the rest of the year. So, I mean, let's Absolutely. go full Pulaski. Yeah. I love that. Full Pulaski. Put it on a shirt. That's right. Somebody somebody let Lane know that's what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. If you don't think Lane Kiffin would come out in a Pulaski gate, neck gator, you, you're kidding yourself. <laughs> that would be hilarious if he came out and won for the Arkansas game and we started doing it. I would respect the hell out of that. <laughs> Dude, if he came out wearing uh, blue and gold, like blue and gold, like dude, if he wore a Pulaski Academy net gator and then never punted and always onside kicked, I mean that would just be the ultimate PR troll brand of all, like that just all time. That's Mount Rushmore branding right there. Yeah, it's yeah. just so do it. Do it is what we're saying. Exactly, Lane. I know you're listening. Please do it. Um, we got anything left as far as um, Arkansas preview goes? I, I still, like I said, we'll, we'll tease the pick uh, for our Legal Gambling Council episode. Bunky, you can feel free to give a pick here um, as our resident oh. hog calling expert. Yeah, I, I'm going to go 42-30 Ole Miss. I feel like... Okay we'd get enough stops or turnovers or just, you know, Arkansas's offense just can't score every time. Like I think Ole Mrs. can. Um, and so I think it's probably somewhere around in there. Uh, but like I said, it's Arkansas. God knows how that's going to turn out. You know, uh, nothing good almost ever happens when you go to Fayetteville uh, to play a football game. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'll take the Rebels this week. All right. I, uh, I, like I said, we'll give our official picks later this week, but I like that pick. I, I, I'm with you. I feel like Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, Jeff Levy, Matt Corral are going to continue to do things on offense. I mean, right now they're converting third downs at nearly 56% clip, which is just otherworldly. Um, if you if you haven't read it, uh, Andy Staples did a deep dive into the offense on The Athletic. And look, if you don't have an athletic subscription, get one. It's super cheap and they do great stuff, but it's a very, very good read on what they're doing so well right now. And um I'm excited for this weekend. Look, like regardless of how you feel about playing Arkansas and how bad things seem to always happen when Ole Miss plays Arkansas, Ole Miss football is fun again. The offense is a joy to watch. And like I said, just team chaos. Like, okay, you know the defense is bad. Just tell yourself, like admit to yourself that it's not going to stop anybody and just get ahead of it and and just enjoy it. So um, it's going to be fun, 2.30 um, Central daylight time on ESPN2, Ole Miss at Arkansas. Bonky, I will tell you, um, you're always our first go-to for Arkansas talk, but we nearly, I would say this, if you weren't available to come on, um, I was going to reach out to the guy who Venmoed us money after we all went on a rant after the Ole Miss-Arkansas Super Regional last year. Um when uh, our own Nicholas Carr was in attendance and the fans at Bomb Stadium were just absolutely just raising hell and just reckless towards the Ole Miss fans. And, uh, you know, we obviously were ranting because Ole Miss lost and it was, uh, you know, sucks to have to play 
not only an SEC team, but an SEC team as good as Arkansas. And uh, we had a guy that actually was like, I respect y'all giving us hell. And he Venmoed us money and said that he liked our show. Well, I appreciate uh, me getting top billing or at least first <laughs> first crack at it. Um, I will see if I can Venmo you guys a couple dollars. <laughs> well, I mean, you obviously get first billing because you're the resident golf dad, you and Mr. Will Bardwell. So you're That's always right. going to be the number one number one pick for 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 pig suey talk but um bonky appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to hang with us um you all know where to find him on twitter everybody's following him so you know the deal we don't have to let him uh give a whole spiel on where to find him but uh thank y'all for listening uh 230 espn2 have fun this weekend enjoy the game drink responsibly all that good stuff stay safe uh for mr carr for mr perkins I'm Mr. Barry. Thank y'all for listening to Podcast Rebellion. We out.